You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of News Talk 770. Welcome to The Strong Room, presented by Macmillan Estate Planning. I'm Herb Hamm. On the program today, part two of our interview with Martin Parnell, whose remarkable story of philanthropy in action raised over $1.3 million for the kids' charity, Right to Play. Martin's feats of endurance spanning five years, starting in 2010, included running 250 marathons in one year, climbing Mount Kilimanjaro in just 21 hours, and running the entire coastline of Britain. By the end of 2014, Martin had completed 10 quests for kids, amazing physical endeavors requiring an iron will. Little did he know that the toughest test of his life still lay ahead. Martin takes us back to February of 2015. It had been a long go uh, for me, for my wife, Sue, um, and it was time to to make a bit of a change. Uh, I'm a professional speaker and author, and I'd been asked to go to Winnipeg at the end of February to talk at a convention um, for the Recreations Connections Manitoba, a parks and, basically a parks and rec uh, convention. And I flew there, but I had, I'd had bad migraines the week before. My, my stomach felt terrible. I arrived, arrived in Winnipeg, went to the hotel and when the organizer, Suzanne, saw me, she said, Martin, you are not well. And I was, I was debilitated. I was really, really sick. She said, I have to take you to the hospital. You've got to be checked out. So that evening before I was meant to speak, uh, she took me to the Grace Hospital and they, uh, they said, yeah, we're going to give you a CT scan. Did the scan and actually sent me back to the hotel. They said, we'll get hold of you. But first thing in the morning, I get a call, Martin, you have to come in. We have, to, we have to talk to you. So they brought me in and they said, you've been diagnosed with a massive clot on the brain right across the top of the head. And within an hour, I was in an induced coma. They had put me, my blood pressure was going through the roof and they phoned my wife, Sue. She flew to Winnipeg. And I honestly remember, the next I remember is waking up and, and I see, well, I see Sue at the end of the bed, but I see two Sues <laughs> because I had double vision. Uh, the pressure on the brain had had uh, caused, um, a, on the optic nerve, had caused double vision. So basically my world was turned upside down within 24 hours. And I'm in a hospital in Winnipeg and I can't even walk by myself from the bed to the washroom, 15 feet away. I was done. I was totally out of it on morphine, um, on blood thinners, on blood pressure pills. Yeah, it was a complete change in, in my life at that point. Someone has said, we actually live in our mind. What happened in your mind in the days and weeks after that? Yeah, it became a very strange I almost felt like I was in a bubble of some kind. Um, I was taken out of the induced coma after 24 hours, but I'm in the bed and I'm literally just lying there and I'm trying to sleep. The morphine is creating just unbelievable, I don't know, dreams, whatever, and, and very surreal situation. I'm, you know, I'm waking up at night and I hear the beep, beep, beep in the hospital and I see the, the, the exit sign flashing and it's just... Um, almost like I'm in a dream, even though I know I'm, 
I'm awake. And so over the next two weeks in hospital, slowly my they get the blood pressure under control. And the specialist said that um, I needed to get back to Calgary because the top neurosurgeon and ophthalmologist is in Calgary and I needed to see him. And his name is Dr. Submararian at the, at the Rocky View. So what happened was... Um, the doctor said, how do you want to get back to Calgary? Do you want to fly or go by car? So, oh my gosh, that's a long trip by car. I said, well, I'll, f- you know, I'll fly if that's okay. He said, well, look, he said, you know, we're going to dress you up and you can wear some sunglasses, but, uh, you know, but don't tell West yet because they, they don't allow people with blood clots on the plane. So they kind of smuggled me from Winnipeg to Calgary, got back safely, uh, but, and went to see the specialist at Rocky View, Dr. Submarian, but he said, look, you can do nothing. You have to literally go home. I had double vision. And for three months, I sat on a sofa just with a patch, just looking out my window. And um, I was sleeping 18 hours a day. I was sitting up. I couldn't really eat very well. So basically for three, you know, three months, I'm in a situation which I hadn't been in ever, really. And I was in a pretty low place. You know, I, I didn't know where this was going. The specialist had basically told me when I left Winnipeg that I could have died twice, once from the clot, another five days, that would have been it. Uh, it would have been too late. The clot would have totally plugged the brain and it would have been bleeding on the brain. So, and he said, basically, there's nothing you could have done about that. You just happened to be, and I just, you know, thank God I was in a place where there was medical help, but I could have been anywhere in the world and it wouldn't have happened, to be honest. But the other reason he said that I could have died was um, from organ failure of the heart and the, and the kidneys. And he said, the reason you're alive is because you're relatively fit, uh, you managed to get through that, that period when the failure could have occurred. And so that's one thing I kind of got to realize about, about fitness. I've always thought of it more in maybe running a race or, you know, getting a time or whatever, or participating in a event. But I came to realize that fitness really, and I'm 60 and it's not if something's going to happen, it's when, and it did. And I realized it's the best life insurance we can have. We can have all the money in the world, but you know, that won't, that won't help you as much as being relatively fit. And so huge learnings from that period in, uh, in Winnipeg and also coming back to Calgary. In those times, what then became the light of hope behind the dark cloud? Yeah, so here, here I am. Sue is phenomenally supportive of my friends of me basically for three months, kind of just convalescing, just, just trying to be patient. And I think that's one thing I've learned is patience. So I thought, well, fair enough. I must do what the specialist tells me. And so basically I followed his orders of, of just trying to get a bit stronger, um, get lots of sleep. He said, just get lots of sleep. It's one of the best cures. Lots of sleep, take your meds. So really that's what I did. But then I went to see him. Um, this would have been sort of middle of 2015. He said, you know, one thing you can do is, is now that you've recovered a little bit is start walking. Now, I don't know if he knew what he meant when he told me to start walking because um, that kind of was a green light to, well, here we go. <laughs> if I can move, I'm going to walk. And so the next day I did 2K, the day after that 4K, and the day after that 8K. And I ended up, Sue and I ended up walking eight kilometers a day every day. <laughs> so, you know, we, you know, uh, he certainly, 
uh, threw up a little bit of a chink of light for me at that point. And so for the next couple of months, I just started to walk. And then what happened is he said, well, you, obviously you're doing lots of walking, looking good. He said, you can now start running a little bit. So I started doing 1K, 2K, just, it was like relearning again, relearning the running. And um, by, by October last year, I'd started running 5K. And so I was really, I felt I could do something. I felt I had a modicum of control, whereas previously I didn't. And that was the biggest loss, I think, when I was sitting, looking out the window. I had no control on what was happening other than just following doctor's orders. But now with the walking, with a little bit of running, I felt slowly I was taking back a little bit of control, a little bit of what I could do to make a difference. And in late October, um, my wife Sue gave me an article from the Guardian magazine about a young woman named Zanab. And that really got me uh, totally inspired for what I wanted to do next. Can you tell that story? Well, this was, this was the uh, first marathon of Afghanistan. It was held in October last year. And the story was about uh, the race, which had 35 runners, of which 10 were overseas runners, but the others were Afghan men other than this one woman. And her name was Zanab. And uh, what inspired me was she talked about her training. And I know, you know, I know <laughs> quite a bit about training for marathons, and the usual challenges are hydration, nutrition, taking in the correct order, electrolytes, uh, pacing. But for, but for Zanab, the, the challenges were very different. When she tried to train on the streets um, in Kabul, she was sworn at. She was called a prostitute. People would throw stones at her, trying to stop her from, from doing her training. And in the end, she ended up training uh, in her garden, walled garden. She'd run around this 15 by 15 foot square and trained to run a marathon. And so when she ran the marathon last year and became the very first Afghan woman to run a marathon, I said to my wife, Sue, look, Sue, here's somebody who, who has just overcome such odds. You know, in North America or in the West, men and women, we can sign up for a marathon almost every weekend without really thinking about it. It's there to be signed up. You know, the only issue is, is you know, is cost, but also, you know, training and so on. But we don't have the challenges she had. And so I said, my gosh, if I can get better, if I can get running again, and if I can, if I can run a marathon, then I'm going to go over and support the girls and women uh, of Afghanistan in doing this marathon. And so slowly I got better. I started running. Uh, my running increased. I did the Calgary Marathon this year at the end of May, and I signed up to go to Afghanistan. And what an incredible experience his next trip to Afghanistan would be. Martin Parnell tells that story when we return after this short break. This is The Strong Room. <laughs> 